0: Hopes and Dreams podcast. The journey to parenthood isn't always easy. For many, fertility can be one of life's greatest challenges and in this podcast we'll be talking to people with all different types of journeys including stories of loss and grief but also and most importantly of strength and hope. We'll talk openly about different experiences to provide you with advice, support and coping strategies and hopefully some comfort and to help you feel less alone. Thanks for listening. Hi there and welcome to the latest episode of the Hopes and Dreams podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by a really good friend of mine, Joe, who's an old uni friend, otherwise known as Big Joe or Clowny. Big Joe because he's tall. I'm not sure if there's any other nicknames but they're the two that um, that are memorable. Um, and, and how I came to sort of asked joe onto the podcast was we met again uh recently sort of reconnected at a party um a friend's 40th and i was chatting to joe and his lovely wife katie about you know how they were and stuff and and uh he told me that that they were expecting a baby now I, joe hadn't spoken to me himself about about their journey but i did know through through our sort of other close friends that you know they were having some difficulties with trying for a family so i was so pleased to hear joe and katie uh, be be pregnant and when we got talking a bit later probably after a few drinks um you know joe was so eloquent about talking about his mental health and the journey they'd been on i just thought he would be the perfect guest to have on And also I was desperate to have a male perspective on here because, of course, even though as as women we go through the physical side of it, but the men go through a lot in terms of the emotional and supporting their partner and such. So I just thought he would be great to have on. So Joe's going to talk about, you know, his journey to parenthood, which has, you know, been tough and long. And uh, we'll talk about what they've been through, but also the things that have helped along the way and any advice that Joe would give to others, men and women going through this. So thank you, Joe, for being up, for coming on to talk about this. I think it'll be a really interesting conversation.
1: Great, well, thanks, Emma. Um, I, You know, I really enjoyed our conversation we had at that party, I think, because not only we got to reconnect after so long and uh, exchange nicknames, but we also got the opportunity to talk about some quite personal things quite quickly. One of which was, as we just discussed, my mental health, but also how my mental health impacted this journey that we've been on in you know, assisted conception or essentially fertility difficulties, which for a large part caused you know, quite, quite a disruption in my life, particularly during the pandemic. So I'm really excited to come on and just share my story
0: yeah and it's yeah and and that's what we're going to talk about as well how the pandemic you know has has impacted on on how quickly you've been able to take things forward which is not not easy but let's take it back a step let's um let's start from the beginning when did you and katie i mean you guys have been together a a long time but when did you and katie start having conversations about trying for a baby had you, you always talked about it was it something you always knew was something that you wanted in your future
1: it's a good question so Katie and I got together when we were quite young. So we've been together, we're at the back end of our 30s now. So I'm 39 and Katie is 38. And we got together when we were in our early 20s. So we've been together around 16 years. In answer to your question, I think we we first spoke about it fairly early on. But as you do when you're in your 20s, it's, it's kind of, somewhat of a superficial chat because it's always far down the road. You think, oh, it's, it's quite far in the future. I was aware that Katie wanted kids. And to be honest, in my 20s, I was a bit all over the place. I had uh, you know, quite a few personal problems. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do career-wise. And the thought of having kids, whilst I knew it was something that I ultimately liked the idea of, I, I didn't really want to plan that in any way or shape or form at that stage. So it was only really when we got to our early 30s, particularly when friends started getting married and starting to have kids in their sort of early 30s, that we started to think more carefully about it. But there was still a gap. Katie was much more open to having kids sooner, whereas I wanted to put it off. I was still dealing with a lot of these emotional problems. And as far as I was concerned, I wanted to make myself better. I wanted to be in a good headspace before I had kids. And so inevitably that led to me moving it down the path, which made things difficult between us. So that conversation evolved, but it was really difficult because Katie wanted to have kids before I did.
0: That's always hard when you've got different sort of timelines on things um, just to find a sort of you know an equal ground of a, a compromise on, on on that but also not yeah. rush each other and and then when you did start trying what what happened?
1: well we we started when we got to about 35. 36 this was by the time that I moved back from or we moved back from Australia to the UK we'd intended to come back for a year but we sort of had this plan in our head that we would come back to the UK and spend time with family this was about 3 years ago and in doing so start trying to have a baby so we were sort of about 35 36 at the time and we kicked off and we thought okay this you know, this will take a little bit of time. We had some trepidation about it, but we stuck to the plan. We we tried for five, six months and then things started to get a, a little bit tense because obviously these conversations where I sort of kicked things down the street a little bit suddenly started to come to the surface a little bit. And I, I felt guilty because we put it off and we weren't getting pregnant, but we thought, you know what, we'll, we'll crack on. Uh, and Katie you know, despite her frustration with me, you know, we decided that we had to be close in order to stick to our, our schedule time, of you know, the appropriate time of the month uh, when she was ovulating and, you know, attempt to get pregnant. So we we tried for another five or six months and then we really started to get quite worried and some of those quite worried and some of those concerns that we had started to, to get more intense. We we you know, like a lot of people, we we sought information, so I think you know, one thing throughout this whole process, I would say, is arm yourself with information. So, we sort of looked at how long you know the average couple in their 30s might take to get pregnant, and of course, it's you know skewed towards younger couples who, who may the bit the sort of start of their 30s get pregnant a bit more quickly. and um, because as we know, after sort of 35, 36, things, things get a bit more challenging, but it It took us a year and we realized that the average couple would probably get pregnant in about nine nine to ten months so we started to to panic a little bit and that's when we decided that we would start the conversation with medical professionals and start doing some testing so after about one year was when we we, we started looking for some assistance
0: and what what happened did you did you get many answers from those tests and were the doctors? you know concerned about what was happening how how did you get much support and advice from the medical professionals
1: so what we found is in the initial stage we everything was felt a bit more clinical so it was less of a personal relationship we we were sent to different hospitals so i went and did donations sperm donations at two different hospitals i think i made Three donations in the end at, at various times because of gaps in the pandemic, but um, <clears throat> but we found that was one thing that it was maybe a little impersonal at the start. Katie got some screenings as well. Uh, they spotted that she had fibroids, um, but they were deemed not to be too risky. Um, fibroids are, are non-cancerous growth that develop in or around the kind of the womb area, um, and. They generally, a lot of women get them, but most of the time, they're not problematic. And that, that was deemed to be the case on this occasion. So we sort of carried out these tests. And basically, the result was that there were no key problems. It was just a case of something wasn't quite working or hadn't worked today. So maybe it was more time. Um, but after a year on the NHS, we were eligible to seek to discuss IVF and to discuss um, alternative forms of assistive conception. So we decided to go down that road.
0: Mm, it's so frustrating. I know that from my own experience when you don't want there to be something wrong, but at the mm. same time you want an explanation about why it's not working. And the sort of, when they say to you, oh, it's just something not, you know, but they can't give you any details. It's like, oh, yeah. I want details because I want to know how to fix this problem and and, make, and be able to do it.
1: Yeah, it's you're so right. It, it, you just that's it's exactly the way you've described it you just think I I really wish there was something that we could do some action that we could take so that we could feel in control of the process because I think that's 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 another great challenge throughout assisted conception whether it's you know IUI or IVF or or whatever um, you know whether you take you know hormone injections is, is is you want to feel in control and there are times in the process where you don't and and that's something that That mentally is is a bit of a struggle at at various times particularly for people who have extremely long journeys so so I think you're absolutely on the money there Emma.
0: Well it's that control that's the hardest thing because it's the one thing you can't control you can't control it happening and you can't control necessarily sort of keeping it when it does happen and it's the control thing that drives you bonkers because you want especially when you like to be in control, like I do. and I'm sure you do too. It's, it's it makes yeah. things really hard. And yeah. but and and the and the, and the doctors though they weren't too concerned at the time in terms of the tests and things. They thought just keep going.
1: Um, they they did. I mean, they they sort of. It, it was more diagnostic. So the people we didn't actually have a <clears throat> sort of when we were getting these diagnostics. We 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 sort of spoke to different people. So. One challenge, I'm sure people know, with any ailments that is chronic or requires you to go in and, and talk to someone in the NHS, is that you often see different people each time, so you don't get the same continuity. So they, they, they. I mean, yes, they said nothing's wrong, but at the same time, we felt like we couldn't really have a, an ongoing conversation with someone about our concerns. So that's not to say that. The people you know who carried out the diagnostics and who we we spoke to weren't super helpful, but it wasn't until we got into the assisted conception unit that we felt like we were genuinely being cared for, um, you know, you're, as a as a, a person as well as a, a patient.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And then and then obviously the pandemic hit. <laughs> And, yeah. and, and, and COVID must have, well, it did, because we've chatted in, in the sort of planning for this, it, it affected your plans.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it did. It was, it, it, I mean, anyone who, who goes through IVF and, you know, and other treatments um, for assisted conception will, or fertility will know that you have to wait. That's one of, unless you're, you're sort of prepared to, to go private, you, you, you have to spend some time waiting and there's a lot of a lot of people out there who who wait these days. So it's it's quite common, you know, for people to wait to, to have their, their pregnancies a bit later and experience these difficulties. Um, but the pandemic was just, yeah, a whole new kettle of fish because we the thing was any sort of sense of when that wait would end was kind of vanquished. We we, we like everyone else were waiting to see when the government decided that you could go back to a hospital because obviously the risk of COVID in hospitals which were rammed full of people with very serious side effects of COVID, life-threatening, um, you know, ailments associated with COVID or complications meant that we couldn't go to hospitals. So we we were basically left in limbo and that, that happened on several occasions. So that was really quite tough. Yeah, um, you know, and, you know, there were times where we, you know, we got quite emotional about it and you know you're trying to deal with work with you know all the other sort of things that you deal with in covid you know you know seeing family and and all those sort of other concerns or worrying about your friends who who might not have people around so yeah it was a, it was a trying time
0: yeah and and you can obviously as you said you see the bigger picture you understand why it's happening but that is one of the other horrible things about covid and the many things that are bad about have been bad about this pandemic but is the fact that it just holds you back and you're in that headspace to keep trying and you want it to happen. And it must, you know, so frustrating and disappointing and upsetting to keep pushing it back and pushing it back. Cause then there is no end point. As you said, you don't know when you're going to be able to get back into, into, into the process again. How, how did that make you guys feel?
1: Yeah. Um, it. I mean, it, it, it really, yeah, it was, it, re- it was really difficult. I mean, I think you know some of the features of that difficulty were as i said the the challenge that i had delayed the process katie often said to me i don't want to be mad at you i don't want to blame you but right now i don't have anyone else that i i can yell at or blame and i i needed to let her say that to me and sometimes i got really pissed off about it other times I just listened. And sometimes I, I just was kind of riddled with guilt about the fact that it might not happen for us. And and even though I know rationally that we were still in the process and that it was just a break, it 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 was just really, it was really hard. There were times you think, oh God, this isn't happening. And yeah, it, it, it was really challenging. So yeah. And even though we knew there wasn't sort of a major fertility issue causing a problem, it was just the, the irrationality of the situation made made it really, really hard. So we fought. Um, and yet we needed to be close because this process requires you to be close as a couple. So it was a weird, yeah, a weird time and a difficult time.
0: You know, you're dealing with your own feelings about it, which don't often, maybe not matching each other exactly at the same time. And when it's not happening, you keep trying to convince yourself, oh, it will happen, it will happen. But then that doubt comes in as well. And so there is a part of you that's like, will this ever happen?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. And and I think, you know, with us, it was a case of almost like one step forward and two steps back. So, you know, you know, I mentioned fibroids earlier. So those those were spotted early on um, and then not deemed to be a problem. But then just before we, we we tried something called IUI in in, uh, in uterine insemination, which, which I can talk about in a moment. But it, we, you know, we started that and then it was identified that fibroids were a problem. So we then had to have a long delay while we waited for the, the, the second or third lockdown, I forget, to, to happen so that Katie could then have a surgery so that she could then go back into IUI or IVF. And so that, that made things really difficult and, you know, all the, all the while you've got, I think when things were opening up, there was, you know, we were watching, for example, I think, you know, the, you know, later in the cycle the the euros are on and people were able to go to those, but we still weren't able to go to, you know, to go to the hospital and, you know, holidays are allowed while we can do this. And so it, COVID sort of, yeah, it affects everyone differently and in, in different circumstances, but it just, yeah, it sort of reemphasized that kind of lack of lack of control, and um, I think, yeah, it's you know, it's not. I'm I'm not sort of saying that our situation is, you know, worse than anyone else's, but but certainly, you know, the pandemic did make it more difficult and uh, and trying in in very different ways.
0: Yeah, of course, and it's okay because that's your experience, and you can look at other people and think, oh you're having a terrible time but in your own it's okay to still feel frustrated that it's not happening for you in that you know you want you want a baby and you're having to wait for however long and you don't know when that end point end point is going to be and and what did uh, because I'm I'm not I haven't I don't know much about IUI what 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 did that involve and what what is it
1: so so IUI is is offered um as um, an alternative to to IVF and obviously it depends on the suitability of of each couple that um, uh, you know f- uh, an embryologist or, or a fertility expert will um, will deal with and so IUI is in uterine insemination so as as the names suggest it's essentially assisted conception but in the uterus so so what generally happens is like IVF you'll you'll take a um, you'll take some hormones, some fertility-enhancing drugs, and the hope is that you will respond to them and produce more eggs. And then that process will obviously take place in the in the womb, in the uterus, as opposed to in vitro, in a, in a test tube, in a lab. And so we were recommended that as our first course of action. But what happened was. Katie responded so well to the the drugs that we actually got eight eggs so she produced eight eggs and because it's happening in the uterus and not you know externally in vitro you can't take the eggs out so there was a risk that you know she could have ended up with multiple pregnancies or even end up like one of those those poor women you might say who ends up with eight children Uh, Um, and so we we immediately had to abandon that and and during that time they that's when they spotted the uh you know that the um that there might be a problem with the fibroid as well and so we we not only had to stop the IUI but we then had to go on and and have and and wait for an operation so so that was IUI Um, so The good piece of news was that Katie responded well to drugs. So that was one positive piece of news that we were able to take out, that whether we went back to IUI or IVF, it was good to know and reassuring to know that she responded. And that that was very much a message that our consultant at the Chelsea and Westminster Assisted Conception Unit pressed home to us.
0: Yeah, and it's just that kind of, it's that trial and error thing as well, isn't it? It's trying things and seeing how it works to kind of put the bigger the puzzle together with this is and and for some couples like yourselves you have you've been through a lot a lot of that and you you had a lot of things to contend with both physically for Katie with the fibroids and other things you were going through and then the pandemic on top of that you know thwarting things moving forward that was a lot for you guys to go through
1: yeah absolutely It, it it really was and I think in some ways it it's brought us closer together because like any you know like any good story, when there's adversity your your lead characters will uh, sometimes come closer together if they can get through it together and it felt a bit like a melodrama sometimes you know you have these sort of you know highs and lows. The difference is that you're not watching a movie you're you're there you're you're part of it, you are the lead characters and so yeah it it really it was unlike any experience i've I've been through. But I suppose it makes the the end result, you know, God willing, if you get there, m- much more special. So, mm. yeah, it, it was really, really tough. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, the, 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 the sort of the surgery between the IUI and when we eventually started IVF was was, uh, you know, sort of another bonus <laughs> that we had to contend with.
0: Mm. and it's and of course and this is where we'll get onto that sort of male perspective why why it's great to have you on Joe, is that of course it you know as I've been through it too of course it's Katie going through all the physical procedures the surgery operations but you're there supporting her through that and going through the mental and, and emotional side of things and how how was that both taking care of her and you know going through your own feelings with this did, did you have support works were there people you could talk to or did you feel sort of lonely going through this and that you had to be there that support role to Katie and you couldn't have your feelings or you weren't able to express them to people because you were concentrating on making sure she was okay
1: yeah it's it's a it's a really good question I think I mean firstly in respect to Katie I felt I had to be strong I can to some extent I couldn't show my vulnerability because of our to her as much because of our our personal circumstances and our story because as I said earlier I've been the person that had hindered us attempting to get pregnant earlier on in our relationship I felt that if I you know sort of emotionally collapsed sometimes then there, there would be two of us in that position so you know I I just wanted to be strong. I wanted to, you know, it is a cliche, but I wanted to be the rock. And I'm a, I am am a super positive person these days, despite, as I mentioned, you know, having some, you know, long problems with my mental health in the past. Coming through that has made me kind of, you know, almost annoyingly positive. So I think I was I was able to draw on that when I, you know, when I, I worked with Katie and when I was there for Katie. Um, in terms of, you know, myself personally I I sort of I did talk to my friends so I talked I talked to my family and friends um it was tough because a lot of what we went through was done through a computer screen of course rather than you know in person so you know it it would mean having chats chats on whatsapp or um you know or, or, or you know on the odd occasion meeting someone for an outdoor walk in the park but you know, I couldn't see my family for a lot of the time, so so that was quite challenging. I think we, you know, we we did try as a couple as well to, um, you know, to be honest with each other, um, but with as I said, without kind of breaking down emotionally. So I think we both tried to be quite strong for each other. So yeah, like I think, I think we. You know we we found a way through is what I'd say. Um, and we did we did talk to family and friends, which I'd highly recommend. Um, but but ultimately it, it was about the two of us being able to to hold on together.
0: Did you find it easy to speak to your friends and chat through it? did or did did people come to you to ask you know did they notice and ask how you were or did you reach out to to certain people to to talk to them about it?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I think people, people had asked in the past, I think it's, it's it's always one of those difficult things, isn't it? When, when you have friends who are childless of a certain age, you know, particularly when, you know, you have children, you love your children, you think, you know, what's going on with my friends. And so it's very natural to say sometimes, oh, do you ever want to have kids? It's the most normal que- question in the world. But obviously, once you get to a certain age, it gets more difficult and challenging to ask that question because we worry about upsetting the person because often there can be a problem there. Um, but people still ask and we we try to be quite honest and say, look, you know, we we're trying and we, you know, we were quite open about the fact that it wasn't working and that we were, you know, trying assisted conception and IVF. So people, people did ask and we, we did have private conversations, but with guys, you, you know how it is. They're a bit more stoic. And um, I I think, you know, it's only, I used to be a closed book. So it was only because I, you know, had personal therapy for mental health that I was able to be quite so open with, with, with my mates about it, you know, and my female female mates as well. Um, And I think, you know, it was, it was a two way street. I went to them and they, they, you know, came to me as well. And once they knew that I was open, they were able to sort of continue the conversation. Katie was completely open, as you know, as, as you know, as one might expect. Women being better, at, on, and you know, that's a massive generalization, um, but but often, you know, some of the the women I know in my life are much better about being honest about their feelings. And so, I think Katie was much better at talking to her family in more detail about the ins and outs.
0: And how did you guys react to, as we all see, pregnancy announcement, people having babies around you? Did, did that affect your confidence? How did you feel about that? Comparing them with your own journey.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really hard. I mean, I think you know what I've learned is, you know, I I, I remember you know talking to someone, uh, you know, a friend who had got, uh, got pregnant, um you know quite quite quickly um and he sa- he said to me oh are you are you going to have kids and i said oh actually we've been trying for over a year and he was like oh i'm really sorry and i i said you know don't be you know it's it's really exciting that that you're going to have have a baby um because obviously everyone's journey is different and you know i think one thing i've learned is that y- you know you should try as far as possible not to compare your own journey to someone else's but just to be sympathetic and kind to other people um and you know as much as possible try to be positive obviously privately it can be quite hard you know i've i've got um you know really good friends who got married and then i think both of them were pregnant within about sort of four or five months you know they're a bit you know both a bit younger than me um you know and um you know a guy and a girl and they 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 both you know, their, their, their own relationships got, got pregnant very quickly so you've got to you know obviously be positive as a friend but yeah privately that was that's quite hard um you know and yeah definitely at times Katie and I you know privately were you know I don't want to say frustrated but we were it it, it was sad
0: hmm, of course and I, I've had those same feelings um that you know you're very happy for the people you're always very happy for the people but you want it for yourself and it's understandable to feel um sad that it's not happening to you and I guess fear is it ever going to happen um as well
1: yeah yeah a hundred percent you know I think it's yeah that that that's the great fear isn't it that I I think my deepest fear in all of this was that I'm the reason that Katie and I don't have a baby because I was selfish and put it off for my own reasons, which I felt were valid at the time, that's the crux of this. We don't have a child, and you know a it's my fault, and b we you know we have to look at adoption, which is you know a wonderful thing, but ultimately, I knew very you know from as I said from from sort of early thirties that Katie wanted a baby of her own so. You know, just yeah. to experience pregnancy. Um, so yeah, I think that was that's that's really the hardest part, is knowing yeah. that that might happen.
0: Yeah, and then as you said earlier, that sort of you feeling guilty with 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 that you delaying trying for a baby, but maybe potentially her feeling resentment because of that. But or yes. not, but kind of and then and then that does put pressure on your relationship because they're natural feelings even though but then it's finding a way to sort of work through it come back together as you say because you need to be a team when you're in these fertility journeys to support yeah. one another through it
1: you, you do i think you know the one thing you learn is this you know it's it's in a way it's it's the subtlety of relationships one one moment you can be completely furious with your partner and think um you know as Katie probably was with me and think you know why the hell am I with him? And then at other times you're holding each other's hand when you're listening to someone telling you some really important information about how you can potentially get pregnant and you feel an incredible closeness. And that's that's what it's like. That's that's what it, it can be like through the journey. So yeah, I think you have to be prepared for those ups and downs.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and then what happened with the surgery when you were eventually seen, when you've, when, you know, COVID moved on a little bit and you were able to get seen?
1: Yeah. So, so, um, the, the surgery, it's one of those things you wait, we waited for months and months and months, and then it's, you know, it's over in a morning. Um, one thing that was hard was that I wasn't able to go in because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, even, even sort of relatively recently, um, you know, partners are discouraged from from being there, um, so that was tough. Um, but ultimately, we were just pleased that you know this relatively simple procedure could finally be done. Um, and you know, and then when that was done, we were then able to get back into, you know, to get back into the process of of going to see the ACU and having the conversation. And then that was when we we then went back to. Have the discussion about whether we continue IUI. And actually, our consultant said, I'm going to recommend you for IVF because you responded, you've got the fibroid removed, you responded well to the hormones previously in IUI. And so IVF has a better um, chance of of yielding a positive outcome. So we're going to move you towards that. So that was when we, we started IVF and a proper.
0: And that, and, and that was successful, that process.
1: It was, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm delighted to say we're now 18 weeks pregnant as of tomorrow. Um, and we, uh, yeah, we're expecting a beautiful baby girl um, all being well. Um, you know, down the track we do on the, the 4th of April.
0: Amazing. I'm so happy for you. I, I, I remember when you told me, I was like, ah, just like hugging yeah, you guys yeah. and just like, just so happy. Like it just, um, it's, it's just lovely when you're friends, you know, it, it happens. And as you said earlier, when, you know, when it does happen, finally, it makes you appreciate it even more. And, um, you just want it for everyone that you love to sort of have that opportunity. If they want to become a parent, to be a parent and, you know, 18 weeks, so I, I just, you know, I hope everything continues to be healthy and, you know, and you get that baby in your arms in April.
1: Yeah, I, I, I hope so, yeah. Um, it's, as I say, it's, you know, that 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 extra long wait that in, in a way has, has, you know, made the, the moment, you know, even more special, I think, for us that, that you know, that we're, we're looking forward to it and, uh, yeah, my hope is that I, I'm going to, take um three months uh paternity leave or, or possibly even more um so it's that's a decision which you know maybe had things been really simple for us that, that i might not have taken but i think you know for me i, I really want to have that time uh, you know with with our baby you know while, while she's still a baby so yeah I, I can you know we can be happy with thrill.
0: And how are you guys coping with being pregnant after obviously the journey that you've had and, mm. you know, how are you anxious? Do you, uh, have you been anxious throughout the pregnancy? I assume yeah. you would be.
1: We have, yeah. I mean, I mean the anxiety started when uh, Katie bought one of those pregnancy tests that had the line and not the pregnant yes or no. And um, <clears throat> because she was so sleep deprived, she she after we'd done the uh, – the, uh, the egg implantation. So we had two um, two eggs implanted, and uh, you know, D-Day came, and, and we did the pregnancy test, and she said, "I'm." Um, she was like, "I'm not pregnant. We're not pregnant." And so we just lay in each other's arms for about fifteen minutes, and then she looked over to her left and realised she's mid misread the test, and so, <laughs> and so for fifteen minutes, all of those efforts that year and a half was suddenly up in smoke. And only for us to uh, realize that we were pregnant, and so the anxiety kicks in. Then to answer your question, um, oh, so yeah, wow. I, I, so yeah, that's been a standing joke in our, uh, our relationship ever since. So yeah, piece of, piece of advice: get if you. If you
0: get, it sums get, it up. It's a roller coaster, <laughs> isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean. Maybe get the pregnancy test that says yay or no, just in case. But um, look, move, moving on from that, I think uh, you know, I think then it it, it certainly becomes more like a, a, any other pregnancy that each scan is a milestone, you know, sort of an island of good news. Um, as you as you learn that, you know, as ver- the various tests take place, you learn that that your baby you know, hopefully is happy and, and it will, you don't know, know what their, their emotions are like, but healthy anyway, and free of birth defects and, and everything else. And so as each of those milestones have come, I think we we possibly breathed an even greater sigh of relief. Um, you know, and I think, re, you know, whilst we are enjoying it and, you know, there we, you know, we finally after sort of, I think it took to about 10, 12 weeks, um, you know, that 12 week scan for us to really feel, start to feel ex- genuinely excited um there's st- it's still kind of tempered with relief at each stage I think after everything that's come before
0: yeah of course and the fact that you were only able to get a certain amount of eggs um with the IVF that must have added a little bit of extra pressure on you guys as well
1: yeah 100% um you know because yeah I remember sitting in the uh the, the reception and uh you know you're you're surrounded by you know, couples who are in a similar position. Um, but obviously, everyone's, you, you don't start an open conversation with someone in that room, you know, for all sorts of reasons. A, a couple sitting next to us and saying, Yes, we've got nine eggs, you know, and I was like, Oh, you know, that that's brilliant. <laughs> Knowing that, that we'd, you know, just found out that we got two. Um, and, you know, as I said, you know, I'm, you know, obviously thrilled, thrilled for that couple. But for us, it was, you know, it was, you know quite quite a concerning moment because we realized that you know two is two chances and and I think you know people will go through IVF will tell you that the, the ideal scenario is that you get you get a basket and then you can, you can free some so that you get because generally on the NHS you'll get one fresh cycle and one frozen in some parts of the country you, you may get more um but for us we didn't have that frozen cycle um, you know and you know all being well we have a kid if we ever wanted to have another one we we would either have to try naturally or or potentially go through the process again some uh, most people would look forward to having some eggs that are frozen because obviously that provides an opportunity to have a a second child if you want or you know if it doesn't work out the first time then you, you you have that to fall back on whereas we didn't um an interesting point actually so like a lot of people, we use the, we use the Internet to try and inform our questions, looking up studies uh, to try and find out the, the best information you can find out. And one of the things that we came across was a study saying that potentially, if you put two eggs in, um, you know, even a blast for this stage, which is when they're, they're sort of five days, um, you know, they develop five days post-extraction, um, that, that one could potentially um, affect the other one uh, negatively. And actually you know we were really worried about that but when we spoke to our our consultant she told us that actually that that study um, you know has been outdated by by a new study which which debunks that and so you know so it's, it's another sort of really important tip is is you know not to rely too heavily on, on what you read on the internet and um, by all means seek advice through the nhs website and other reputable sources or, or you can look at studies but use them to inform questions, not, not answers. You know, that's, that's what the, the medical professionals are there for. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, you know, that, that, we, we were lucky enough that we, we, we put two in and, and one of them has, you know, has, has been fertilized and, you know, we, we have a baby. So yeah, it's, uh, it was nerve wracking, but, you know, in a hard two weeks as you, as you wait, um, but yeah, we're just, we're just made up that we we we've, we've made it happen.
0: Amazing, so so good, so good, and Thank as you, you. said, you you've had the ending that you wanted after a long journey, and it just makes that it makes it even even sweeter. And and is there any advice you'd give to other men, or other things you you know things you found helpful, or you'd wish you could tell yourself at hard times, you know, when you were going through this journey, that you wish you could tell yourself.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a. This is to be honest. When we spoke at that party, this was the thing that you said that that really, um, you know, that we discussed. And and when you later asked me, kind of attracted me to this was the opportunity to share the experience and and potentially, you know, help other people who might be listening to your podcast. And I've you know I've listened to, you know, some of some of your other guests as well, and I I, I learned some things which I didn't know. So yeah, so so yes, in answer to your question, there, there's a few pieces of advice I would like to give, um, some based on my own experience, some based purely on the experience of going for IVF. So from my own experience, and this is kind of aimed at all guys out there who, who may happen to listen, is talking about getting pregnant with your your partner, your girlfriends, your wife, is is a really difficult conversation particularly if you're you you know and you probably have an inkling you're not in the same place but I wish I had had more robust conversations with Katie earlier on in our relationship because even if you are far apart on the the timings of when you want to have a baby at least at least you know and I would I would urge you to to have that conversation, even if it's at three in the morning after a night out, or you know, you're when you're taking a stroll to the shops or something like that, or you're, you know, walking in the park or something like that, just visit the conversation. Cause what I found is it's like the first few conversations are super awkward and you, you sometimes you'll get a bit, you know, ratty with each other. But like all conversations, if if you you gradually revisit it, you get a bit more confidence. You both get a bit more confidence, and you can gradually start to have more productive and sensitive conversations. And part of that is growing up, you know, because we had it over had those conversations over a period of time. But part of it is because we had the conversation. We started having the conversation more regularly, and I think that that would be my first you know, kind of key piece of advice. I would also say. Um, in in, as a kind of corollary to that be realistic as a guy about delaying pregnancy so you know i i was kind of upset i had you know I, i screwed a few things up earlier in my life because i had mental health problems and i was so so concerned with kind of optimizing my mental health and then living the life that i hadn't lived in my 20s you know mainly focused around kind of career success and but also around doing things that I you know, I didn't say yes to because I was sort of so kind of emotionally derailed. Um, that's all fine, but you also have to recognise the fact that it does get harder. Um, you know, as, as, as women get older, it does get harder. And so while the science of fertility and assisted con- conception has come so far in the last 20 or 30 years... And it's able to help so many couples in their late thirties and forties to have children. It, it's not something you should necessarily depend on. So I think it's it's really just about respecting, you know, the fact that that is something that's going to be going through the the head of your of your girlfriend or your wife or your partner. And so just being cognizant of that and not trying to pretend it's not happening i think you know i i'm definitely guilty of that um so so it's just something to bear in mind um i would say as a guy chat to your mates i did and i'm I'm really really glad that i was able to um you know the role of guys is often seen as a protector or a supporter so positions that are relative to your your wife or partner And actually, you you go through your own experiences of, you know, grief, fear, anxiety, sadness, and regret, as well as the kind of the optimism, joy, and the relief I mentioned earlier. Um, So I think, you know, try to be brave and, you know, chat, chat to your mates. And even though it's not necessarily a comfortable subject, what you often find is a lot of people, and I know a lot of my friends have been through similar situations with their fertility and I would never have known that if i didn't bring it up myself and and, you know kind of be prepared to be a little bit vulnerable so i think you know a lot of people go through this so you know rely on your friends that that's what they're there for um i i mentioned earlier um the internet you know we we looked up you know you know what the internet's like there's all the memes which you know sort of say if you google something you know a couple of conditions then it usually tells you you're going to die imminently so I think you know the same applies to assisted conception and fertility is use the internet to um, you know to get advice make sure you use reputable sources You know, obviously the NHS is, is a really good one because um, you can be fairly sure that you're getting the, the latest uh, independent advice um, you know we did use you know I was on mum's net quite often I found yeah. which which you might find quite funny but (laughs) but actually from the emotional point of view it's really helpful because people ask just ordinary questions and you know women are so supportive I can't imagine a you know a dad's net being quite quite supportive maybe maybe it exists I don't know about it but I think you know that that's something that I found helpful but the caveat is you know use the internet to inform your questions and really use the medical professionals to provide the answers and i think that's that's sort of a key piece of advice i would say is don't don't freak out if you read something on the internet make sure you talk to a professional because often they're incredibly reassuring and they, they can usually help you so don't don't panic um i would also say Um, One thing I found, and maybe this is distorted because of the the gaps in the pandemic, but, you know, trying to, you don't get that long, um, even when we were at the Chelsea and Westminster in they're they're very helpful and excellent assisted conception union, we didn't get that long with the consultants. Um, So I would say prepare for those sessions. A couple of times I left thinking, oh, I wish I'd asked that. And it's really hard. It was really hard to try and get back on the phone with them, have to make appointments. So as a couple sit down I'm sure everyone probably does this anyway it's common sense but sit down before your appointments and think of all the things that are bugging you or that you're worried about and write them down and then literally force the poor person consultant on the other end to answer all of your questions at least that way you go away feeling like everything's answered and you you won't you know the things that you worry about will be fewer so so that that's one thing I found um and finally I think you know my last piece of advice, and it may sound strange or counterintuitive, but humor is really important amidst the chaos and you know the wars of words and the sadness and the frustration. We try to have a laugh and a joke. Um, you know, a, a, a typical example was uh, you know in the lead up to IVF, you, you'll you'll be aware Emma, and 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 you know some of your other guests will have done it. You have to, you know, get the needle out, uh, get the needles out, and and stick them into your belly. And so, you know, we, you know, Katie's uh, not not amazing with needles, and so, you know, whereas I have this strange fascination with uh, injecting people with with things with needles. So, um, I I weirdly like doing it, and we kind of, you know, sort of use that as a source of humor. So that time didn't become onerous, and I appreciate it's painful, you know, to have a, you know, bloody great needle stuck in, in you, but that humour made it a bit better and, uh, you know, it, it um, you know, we sort of had a joke around the time, you know, the time of day, um, you know, and sort of would, you know, say daft things and play daft music as we were doing it. And so I think that that humour was something that kind of helped us throughout and and ultimately brought us a bit closer together.
0: Yeah, you need You need to find that to kind of get through it because it becomes such a, Everything's so clinical and structured and robotic and considered that, you know, finding some way to cope with that or bring a bit of fun or lightness to it is important.
1: It it really is, yeah. I think, you know, ultimately you're two people, you're two human beings. And at this stage, hopefully you both want the same thing. So it's important to be, you know, to be kind to each other, um, to listen to each other and and you know try try to inject some humor into the situation if you can because you know there's an awful lot of worrying as, as, as you know and um you know it's you need you need some of that those expressions of, of joy or humor just to kind of lighten the mood sometimes yeah. so that you can, you can have some time away from the ivf situation and just be a couple or you know be a mate or whatever it is you know be a family member um, and operate you know on uh, you know in a different space it's hard sometimes but ultimately it, it leaves you better place to deal with the whole thing
0: yeah exactly i'm still laughing about thinking about you trawling through mumsnet and, and maybe oh. having to look up acronyms because there's so many acronyms on um, mumsnet and those other forums i'm like what does that mean and i'm like googling what it is
1: I'll tell you what, Emma. It's an absolute goldmine, mum's net. Um, <laughs> it's probably a strange place for a, a, a middle-aged male to to uh, spend his time, but no. I, well, I, you, I, found I some, you found some. You found
0: some sources of reassurance and support on there, so that's great. <laughs> oh, <Absolutely>. thank, <laughs> thank you, Joe. I knew you'd be a wonderful guest, and you talk so articulately and beautifully about you know your relationship with Katie and what you've been through and. I'm sure that listeners, hopefully men listening in as well, have, have found some some hope in, 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 both, in your story. And I'm just so delighted that, you know, you've got that little girl growing in, in Katie's tummy at the moment and um, look forward to meeting her next year, next spring when she, when she comes. And I'm just so happy for you guys that after such a journey, you finally, you know, got that, that happy ending.
1: A hundred percent. And, um, thank you so much for saying that. And, uh, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, i I really appreciate you sharing your journey and I've, I've really enjoyed your show and, uh, you know, and listening to, you know, other, you know, other women, um, you know, as well as Katie, obviously talk about what, what they've been through. And I think that's, that's helped informed us, you know, Katie and I have, have, have listened to it and, uh, we found it really, really helpful. So, um, Thanks for having me and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It's it's a wonderful thing.
0: Oh, big hugs, big Joe (laughs) or clown, (laughs) whatever we're calling you today. Um, Right.
1: Daddy, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Yeah, daddy. (laughs) Daddy, exactly. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you found it helpful and indeed hopeful please do leave a review because it's really helpful to get those reviews and subscribe to the podcast and do let us know what you'd like for future topics and remember that we are on instagram and twitter the hopes and dreams podcast and we'll see you next time thanks bye